You would not believe your eyes if 10 million fireflies lit up the world as I fell asleep. <laughs> it's episode numero dos. How we doing, everybody? It's 8.18 on a Monday night. Ooh, we got a long week ahead of us, right? But there's positivity to be spread, man. There's positivity to be spread. Got a lot of, we got a lot of stuff to touch on today, man. NBA's coming back soon. The Sixers are getting back to basketball. The Philadelphia Phillies are coming back soon. There's going to be dingers hit in South Philadelphia, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll also touch on some other subjects. Uh, I thought something that I, I found interesting was, uh, you know, I, I would like to touch on my favorite Eagles teams over the past over the past decade. I think that's that's an interesting topic to get into, as well as other sporting news that's kind of happened in the world. Um, but yeah, man, let's get right into it. So. Let's start with the Sixers, man. The NBA coming back. You know, we got some some scrub. I believe the Sixers' first scrimmage game is actually against the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday, July 24th at 3.30 p.m. It's a horrible time. Horrible time to have a scrimmage, by the way. But regardless, as it looks right now, man, the NBA's back. Um, you know, I, I don't know <laughs> how long that's necessarily going to be the case. You know, Rashawn Holmes is... Now self-quarantining because he, he couldn't hold off the McDonald's for a day, I guess. You know, had to go get some food. But nonetheless, man, I mean, it's looking like we're going to have NBA basketball. And I, I think the Sixers are a very intriguing team, man, because at the start of the year, ton of hype surrounding this team, even with Jimmy Butler gone. Um, you know, you bring in Al Horford, who is a guy that has really just kind of killed this team over the past few seasons when playing for Boston. Um, there's a lot of hype surrounding, you know, Embiid's big threat in the East at his position was Al Horford. And you bring in Al Horford, you know, Embiid has, has really no problem, right? Eh, not exactly the case this year. Um, you know, obviously there's been some chemistry issues. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris has been a guy that I thought has actually played very well. I don't know if he's, he's totally living up to his contract extension, but there's also been pleasant surprises, man. I mean, Shake Milton has, has done some pretty good things. Matisse Thibel looks to be a really solid contributor. I think Ben Simmons has definitely taken a next step. Um, but the Sixers are an interesting team, man, because the talent level speaks for itself. And you look at the roster up and down, it is as deep and as talented as any roster in basketball. I mean, yeah, the LA Lakers have LeBron James, and Milwaukee's got Giannis, and Miami's done some pretty good things with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. But the Sixers match up with anybody, man. It's And, and on paper is a, is a stupid argument, but it's true, man. They match up with, with literally everybody. Um, you know, I... I find it funny how, you know, everyone's, ah, oh, you know, Embiid's taking a step back, and he's still averaging 24 and 12, and people are saying that. You know, he's the best center in hoops. I don't want to hear the Jokic conversation, brother. Embiid is the best and most talented five in hoops right now, and there's no there's no argument, in my opinion. Well, there's an argument. Jokic is a really good passer, but is also a liability defensively, and look, man, I'm a homer, right? I'm going to say that Embiid's a better player, but I truly believe it, man. I think his, his post game is, is second to none in the game. Um, now, why he spends time at the three-point line is, is something I'll never really know the answer to. But the Sixers have all the talent in the world to really make some noise, man. And, and like, I, I look at, at the rest of the NBA, you know, Boston, who is obviously a huge threat in and out of every year. You know, the Sixers are 3-1 and one against them this year, man. And they've, they've beat them pretty convincingly in those, in those three victories, you know. Josh Richardson, uh, you know, ha- has come up big in a couple games that they've played this year. Um, you know, they match up so well against other teams, man, but I, I don't know what the Sixers deal quite is. I think the LA Lakers were poised to win a title. 
LeBron is kind of on a mission. I, I really think he wants that fourth ring and that third ring on a on a third different team. You know, he, having four rings total is is incredible to say, but doing it on three separate teams is is just unheard of. You know, Anthony Davis was playing really well. They had solid role players like Danny Green and stuff. And you know, the West is super talented, man. You go to the LA Clippers with Kawhi and with PG and with Lou Will and with Landry Shamit and Montrezl Harrell. Like, there are some really deep teams in the NBA. Like, you know, now with with Russell Westbrook coming down with COVID, which I chuckle, but that's really not all, not all that funny. Uh, you know, Houston's a really good team, man. With with Harden and and Westbrook and. I think there's just a, a lot of loaded talent on, on both conferences' sides, you know. I, I think I think the Sixers have an opportunity to, to, to beat anybody, man. I really do. They got that talent level. You know, I, I think Ben Simmons took a next step this year. I really do. I, I think his numbers may not jump off the charts to you, but I think Ben Simmons really took a next step in my opinion. And obviously, you know, everyone's going to give him crap about the jump shot, and, and rightfully so, man. you got to be able to shoot a mid-range jumper in the NBA at the point guard position. You have to. I don't care if you're 6'10". I don't care if you're Micah Jordan, okay? you got to be able to shoot a jumper, right? So I think Simmons has the opportunity to be that next generational player. And I think some could actually argue that this team could possibly be transitioning from Joel Embiid's team to Ben Simmons' team. I think that's how the trajectory of their careers are going so far. Not that Embiid's not a super talented player. He's a three-time consecutive All-Star. But Simmons has done some really special things over over the course of this past year where he's led. He's been a leader to this team. And I haven't seen that from Ben Simmons in the past. And I I see it now. But Miami has, has been a really good team as well. Like, Obviously, Jimmy Butler and that one's going to be tough. To, it's always going to be a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, Bam Adebayo is a really good player, man. Tyler Hero is, is a guy that's come in and shot the ball really well. They got solid role players like Gordon Dragic, Kendrick Nunn. Like, they are a good team. However, there is no reason to believe that the Sixers cannot beat them. I don't care. Eric Spolster is also a very good coach. Don't get me wrong. Maybe Brett Brown's a problem in Philadelphia. Maybe the Sixers aren't being, aren't being coached to the best of their abilities. But... At the end of the day, man, there is no reason why the Sixers cannot beat the Miami Heat in this series. There's no reason. And the Heat have played very well together this year. I think they're a young and up-and-coming team, and I think Jimmy is actually the perfect player to lead that team. But there is no reason why the Sixers can't beat them. And there's no reason why the Sixers can't beat Milwaukee. And Chris Middleton's great. And obviously Giannis is fantastic. You know, and, and the Lopez brothers, and, and, and that's great. But the Sixers match up so well defensively with that team. I think that's why they didn't deal, they didn't deal Horford at the deadline because they, they match up so well with teams defensively due to the size, length, and flat-out defensive skill, skill makers that they have. Um, I find it hard to believe that you, you can't make a run at this thing. And I'm not expecting a title per se. You know, there's been some, some teams that have really surprised in the NBA this year. Um, you know, I think OKC was one that jumped out to me. I know they're in the Western Conference, but you know, Chris Paul and Shy, you know, they're they're good they're good players, man. And I think uh, you've seen the Denver Nuggets be a pretty consistent team with with Murray as well to go along with Jokic. Uh, Utah's a pretty solid team, man. So the NBA is kind of wide open at this point, and, and and players have had such a time away from the game that I think it's almost like a new season in a way, even though it's obviously a continuation. Um, you know, Toronto's still done some pretty good things too, but there's no reason to believe that the Sixers can't compete with those guys or compete with a Western Conference team in the finals, you know? 
And to get there is obviously a challenge, but the Sixers are loaded, man. I mean, you look at from top, I mean, Simmons is a two-time All-Star now. He's averaging, what, 17-9 this year. Richardson is a really, a really consistent player. He's a really good two-way player. He plays really well on both sides of the floor. I think Tobias is the type of guy that is not worth his contract. He's not worth $180 million over, over the course of five years. But I feel like if we didn't have Tobias Harris, everyone would say Tobias Harris is the perfect player for this team. Uh, he shoots the ball well. He defends well. He can play multiple positions, the three or the four. He's done it here. Um, Toby is a guy that is really underappreciated in the league, in my opinion. Now, I don't know the deal with Al Horford. You know, the, the Sixers started to have some success when Horford was coming off the bench, and you put in Shake Milton. Like, Shake had that huge game against the L.A. Clippers where he dropped, you know, 40 points around. So there is talent there. And, and from rumors going on in practice right now, it's it's looking like Shake's going to run the one and Simmons is going to get the opportunity to play that point forward position. I think that's a matchup nightmare for teams, man. I really do. I mean, sue me, right? Like, it's a matchup nightmare for teams. Ben Simmons can't be stopped on a fast break. Ben Simmons is absurdly athletic. Cool, he can't shoot the ball. Yeah, it's got to change, buddy. You got to be able to shoot the basketball to have success in this league. I'm not arguing that. But the guy has, I won't say dominated the league. That's a bit of a stretch. But has pretty much, he gets, he can get to wherever he wants on the court with ease. And everyone loves knocking, knocking on him for his jump shot. Let's, let's talk about the things that he does really well. Like, the guy gets wherever he wants on the court. He's an exceptional passer. He's a super good defender. He's a good rebounder. Like, Ben Simmons is a super good all-around player. Um, you know, Embiid, oh, he's had a down year. He's still averaging 24-12 and 12 and made his third straight All-Star appearance. The guy is still good, man. I don't. I think he's overlooked in the Jokic debate. Jokic is a super good player, and that's not what I'm saying. And Embiid plays out of his head sometimes. I'm not, I'm not questioning that. You look at, you know, man, you're, you're seven foot something, right? Like, no one can stop you inside. No one, for as many Shirley Temples as you drink, dude, like, no one can stop you inside. And they got to figure it out with Horford. But I like the fact that, you know, look, Embiid, oh, he's in good condition. I'll believe it when I see it, dude. At the end of the day, he's probably going to get winded. It's great to have a guy like Al Horford to go in there and take minutes when Embiid is on the bench. It is, man. And you can run different, you know, sets where, or different rotations where, okay, we need to be really defensive right now. Okay, well, let's put Horford and Embiid on the floor at the same time. Or we need buckets, okay? You know, let's bring in, you know, five will hit the ball, or hit threes relatively consistently this past year. Um... You know, Alec Burks is a scorer off the bench, averaged 16, you know, prior to coming over here. Glenn Robinson's a guy that averaged 12 prior to coming over here from Golden State. So they have scores, man. Korkmaz gets buckets, dude. Like, he does. I mean, he's the most unathletic guy on the floor. No one's questioning that. And he looks like a bit of a moron. But the guy gets buckets, dude. He gets buckets. And, like, when you need a three-point shot, and Mr. Reddick isn't here anymore. Cork Moss can give you that. So I, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be really interesting with the Sixers this upcoming year, man. I really do. I think um, upcoming year, uh, the resuming of this this whole NBA season. It's super unorthodox, but I think that might play into their favor. I think that might play into their favor, man. I I I, I don't think the season went the way people expected it to. I expected the Sixers to be the best team in the East because you know what. On paper, they are. And paper means nothing, right? But, like, 
they match up so well with teams. They're deep. There's no more excuses. Something's got to change, right? If it's the coaching staff, then Brett, I'll see you, man. Like, you know, if it's an Embiid versus Simmons issue because they don't space the floor well enough together and it's a, it's a shooter's league, you know, then maybe that has to be dealt with. But I'm super excited to see what the Sixers can do, man. I really am. They got all the talent in the world to be a successful team. And I think this unorthodox restart to the season may actually really play into their favor. Switching gears, man. Switching gears. I'm going to touch on the Phils for a little bit. I don't follow baseball as much, but the Phillies have been an interesting team to follow the past couple years. I think they're definitely on the rise. You know, uh, they're transcending in an upwards direction. Yes, I use high vocab words. You know why? Because I'm a genius. Am I really? No. But fact of the matter is, man, the, the, the Phillies are a transcending team in, in the MLB. They really are. I mean, they improved at every single position this offseason. I, I don't think that's a stretch. I really don't. I mean, you added Zach Wheeler to your rotation, and the big thing with the Phillies was Aaron Nola is our guy, and aside from him, we have no one. You could argue Arietta. No. You needed to bring in another guy, and I think Wheeler fits that. He also played for the Mets, a divisional opponent. You take away from a divisional opponent and add to yourself. Um, so, look, Nola, Wheeler... Arietta's a decent three option. Their rotation's not perfect, man. You know, if Pavetta or Velasquez competes for a spot, you know, that's good. Um, but their top three is not bad, especially their top two is actually very solid. You know, um, they should be better in terms of their pitching rotation. You look at, you know, behind the plate, JT Romuto is probably the best catcher in baseball. If he doesn't get re-signed, I'm jumping off a bridge, dude. Like, it's got, it's got to get done, man. At some point or another... That guy's got to get re-signed. He was the only all-star on this team last year. Real Muto is the best catcher in baseball. And, you know, Molina's very good, too. I'm not questioning that. Real Muto's really good, man. He hits consistently. He's a very good fielder. He's a good clubhouse guy. There's no reason for him to not re-sign. Bottom line is he's a really good player. Hoskins at first. I think Hoskins is good, and there's no doubt. He had a horrible second half, man. A horrible second half last year. Um, I believe he batted possibly but under 200 in the second half of the year, which is pretty abysmal, man, to be honest with you. But the power's there for him, man. He's a 30-home-run-a-season 30, a 30 home run a season type of guy, and there's really no doubt about that. You know, Hoskins has been here for a long time, another good clubhouse guy, a good culture guy, um, you know, to the Phillies organization if he can be more consistent he's a really solid player you know now you're gonna have and I don't know what they're gonna do with second and third but it'll be Segura slash Kingery at one of the two at, at, at the positions you know if it's Kingery at third Segura at second or Segura at third Kingery at second bottom line is man you know Segura has, has slimmed down a lot um was a pretty highly coveted guy's a former all-star you know when he when he played for the Mariners I think he's a really consistent fielder He'll now have the opportunity, in my opinion, he'll play second. He'll now have the opportunity to to f- kind of find a role in this team and run with it, man. And I think Kingery, who's a guy that's played all over the all over the place, man, um, now finally has that opportunity to settle into one singular position. And I think that is going to do wonders for him. Um, his bat really came alive last year, too. I think you saw the type of player that he could be. Um, I'm excited to see what they got with Scott Kingery. He's one of those young guys that has a lot of promise, but... You know, jumping to shortstop, you bring in Didi Gregorius, right? You know, the, the former Yankee shortstop. I think that rounds out your infield. Everyone wanted Chris Bryant. So did I. But guess what, man? 
he's a highly coveted player in the MLB. It's difficult to get players like that, especially with the, the money that he wanted and the money that Bryce Harper's getting and the money that they're going to have to give to Ramuto. Hopefully they get that done. Um, that's a, you know, I, I think you upgraded your infield too, man. And I think he's a left-handed bat. You know, he was hurt last year, but it, it, it upgrades your lineup too. You know, jump to the outfield, you get McCutcheon back, a guy who was having a really solid start to the year. Even at his, you know, older age, he's still a really he's, – he's a solid player, man. He's, he's a type of player you want. He's a type of leader on the team that you want. And he's not going to be an all-star, but I think he's a really consistent guy. At the top of the lineup, like first at-bat first at bat of last season, he hit a dinger to left center. Like it was a see you later tater, dude. Like that thing was gone. See ya. You got to love that. You got to love that pop at the top of the lineup. I think you're getting a huge you're getting a huge gift back in Andrew McCutcheon. Um, you know, jump to center with with Hazley. I think he, you know, he's a left-handed bat, he'll bat at the bottom of the lineup. Um, I think he's a he's a consistent center. He's a super young guy. I think he he surprised some people last year when he had to step up for McCutcheon and he proved that he deserved an opportunity to start and jump to Bryce Harper, man. Jump to Bryce Harper. Um, you know, the, the big money guy, the 330 guy. A lot of bills, a lot of beans, dinero, cash, money. And everyone loves ragging on him that he had a down year. He still hit 34 home runs and had over 110 RBIs. Batted 260, which obviously can be improved upon, but Harper's a power bat. He's going to strike out, and he's going to hit a lot of dingers. So everyone can say it was a down year. He had the second most home runs he's ever had in his career. And had over 110 RBIs. Was he worth $330 million? No, but is any human being in the world worth that amount of money? Probably not. So, I expect big things from Bryce this year. He's a great leader for this team. He loves the city of Philadelphia. I like what you got with Harper, man. I really do. You know, and then you jump to the bullpen. Eh, some question marks. But you get David Robertson back, who's on the 60-day IL last year and never even made a debut. Formerly played for the Yankees. Um, Hector Neris, I guess, will continue in that closer type of role. Had some success last year. Um, But in my opinion, man, the biggest move of the offseason was Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi's a proven winner, man. He's played in the the league. He's won rings as a manager. That Yankee team was damn good. And I'm not going to give all credit to Girardi because when you have Rodriguez and Jeter and Teixeira and Curtis Granderson and the rotation, you got CeCe, you got Pettit. Like, you you had some really good players on that team. Um, but let's let it be known that you got to be managed by the right guy. Like, even Jorge Posada played for that team, man. Yeah, but you you got to be managed by the right guy. And I think Girardi is such an upgrade over Gabe Kapler. I, I don't actually think Gabe Kapler did a terrible job. Um, I'm kind of surprised he got a, a shot with the San Francisco Giants right away. But I don't think Kapler did that bad of a job, to be honest with you. But at the end of the day, man... Joe Girardi is a hell of a better manager than Kapler, man. Like, cool gig, Kapler. Like, you lift weights. Congratulations, dude. Like, you're not good at your job, okay? So, like, I think Girardi gives you that gives you that ability to be a, a well-organized and managed team, and I think that you will see that in their record in this reduced 60-game season. Um, that's what I got to say about the Phils, man. Jumping over to some birds talk. Obviously, there's not a lot of stuff going on. Training camps in 15 days. Woohoo, man. 
always get happy when training camp rolls around. Obviously, you know, we don't know what's going on with COVID, if that's going to be training camp's going to end up being in like three weeks or four weeks. We don't know. Is there going to be a preseason? Eh, probably not. One thing I will say with football is that time is on its side. You know, there will not be a, a game played until, I believe it's September 13th, which is actually two months away from right now. Um, so that's obviously very encouraging. Um, bottom line is football's approaching. The deadline to work out franchise tags is this, this week on Wednesday. You know, Brian Baldinger came out with a tweet that the Eagles could look to improve their team this week. Um, Howie Roseman has always been a guy to make moves closer to the season or at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, the, the Ronald Darby trade where he traded Jordan Matthews a few years back. Uh, that was a big trade for this team. You know, obviously Darby's career with the Eagles didn't end too well, but Darby was a, a consistent player his first... When, when he was healthy, Darby was a good player his first year here. Um, you know, the J.J. trade he made midseason back in 2017, that really sparked this offense. You know, he made the Golden Tate trade back in 2018, and they acquired Jannard Avery ultimately at the deadline last year. Um, but I think... I, I, look at, I look at Jason Peters, obviously, as a guy that could possibly come back. He's always going to be on the Eagles' radar. The thing is with him, man, is like, can he play right guard? Because you got to give Andre Dillard an opportunity, right? So, Jason Peters has been around the block a lot. Guy's old. But he's still good. He's still productive. And it's still Jason Peters. You still have to be accountable for him. So, I'm interested to see if he comes in. Does he play right guard? Does he play left tackle? Does he fill in a depth type of role? Can he do those types of things? Uh, He could be a guy that they bring in. You know, Baldy could have been alluding to a guy like Larry Watford, who was a Pro Bowler with the Saints last year. He could be alluding to Jadavian Clowney, who has potentially shown interest in joining the Eagles, even though he had a cheap shot against Wentz, and he had a cheap shot against Nick Foles in the Houston Texan game in 2018. He's a damn good football player. And if differences can be put aside and money works out where it works out, because he's not going to get the money that he wanted. If he, if he got the money he wanted, he would have been signed already. Um, maybe you should stop taking cheap shots at quarterbacks, dude. Hmm? Maybe. But bottom line is, man, he's a really talented player, and he's been on the Eagles' radar. I wouldn't be surprised if they went after him. Uh, Jamal Adams is a guy that's been consistently in, in trade rumors. He mentioned the Eagles as a possible destination. The thing is with him, man, is it would take a lot to get him. I'm not giving up a pick, and I'm not giving up a, a talented transcending player as well. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen here. I think the Eagles will make a move if it's for Devontae Freeman or LaShawn McCoy, if it's for Jason Peters, if it's for Watford, if it's for Jadavian Clowney. Maybe they trade for Yannick Ngwakwe, who uh, you know plays for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Eagles had, had shown interest in him. Howie Roseman loves defensive linemen, man. They love investing young at that position. Ngwakwe, I believe, is like 24 years old, super young guy. But at the end of the day, man, you're going to have to give up a first. And is that something you're willing to do? I don't know. Or is it Jamal Adams? You really kind of kind of cure up that secondary again gonna have to give up a lot to get him so I'm interested to see what happens this week uh it doesn't look like the Cowboys are going to be able to to get that franchise tender done with Dak it looks like he's going to play under the tag which uh, Dak Prescott man come on good player man I'm, I'm as much of an Eagles fan as I am I will admire players when they're good and Prescott's a good football player man uh, I'm not going to deny that uh is he a top 10 quarterback yeah probably I think he, I, I will go out and say that um is he worth 35 million dollars no not at all so look man Jerry Jones has decisions to make they gave a lot of money to Amari Cooper they gave a lot of money to Zeke you know Van Der Esch and Smith will be free agents soon too you gotta give a lot of money to them 
And you got to give a lot of money to your quarterback. So Jones has some decisions to make. But he's the businessman, the big oil guy, right? So up to you, Jerry. Play on, brother man. But uh, the subject I did want to jump into was my top three favorite Eagles teams over the past decade. Uh, Obviously, if you go back prior to the start of 2010, in 2008, they made an NFC title run, which was great to watch. The playoff run was awesome. Westbrook took a screen, 70-plus yards to the house. I believe it was Chris Clemens who absolutely decked Tavares Jackson on an Asante Samuel interception return. RIP Tavares Jackson. Very unfortunate. Um... You know, then they play the Giants the next week, who were, I believe, the one seed in the NFC. They had the bye. They go into MetLife. They beat them 23-11, to the most awkward score in football, but they got it done. And going to that title game, man, Larry Fitzgerald took a poop on the Philadelphia Eagles, man. Took a stinky poop on the Eagles, dude. Oh, man. But when they battled back with the McNabb touchdown to Deshaun, I really thought they were going to do it. But Larry Legend, man, that guy is something else. I'll be taking him to fantasy every year. You can put that in ink. <laughs> but, uh, you know, even in 2004 when they were super good and went to the title game, uh, over the past decade, starting from three going up to one, uh, number three would be the 2010 team. That that team was very cool to me because I going into that year, I re- <laughs> my, my young self really thought that Kevin Cobb was the answer at quarterback and that this guy was going to be the next freaking Tom Brady, right? Uh, not so much, man. You know, Clay, Clay Matthews had some other ideas for him, and a concussion takes him out of the out of the game, and in comes Mike Vick, and kind of the rest is history. I mean, Michael Vick, watching his redemption tour, that he was just such an exciting quarterback to watch, man. Put him in the league nowadays with when everything's so spread out. Not that it wasn't back then, but, you know, yeah, he was so fun to watch, man. He threw for, I believe it was roughly like 3,018 yards, had 21 touchdown passes to six interceptions. He also ran for nine touchdowns. He was the MVP of the league, and frickin' Tom Brady's got to steal it every goddamn time, man. But you know what? It's above my pay grade. But if you look at it, I mean, they had some super cool moments. The Green Bay game that started the year, the Kelly Greens, iconic moment. They lost that game, but you saw hope with Michael Vick. And then week two, you go to Detroit, and you light it up against the Lions. Week three, you go down to Jacksonville, and it's 28-3. to It's a blowout, right? And then... Fast forward later in the year, Deshaun Jackson has a 90-yard touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. And then the miracle at the Meadowlands, you know, the following week. So they had just a lot of really cool games. And it's funny, man. They were, I believe, 9-4 going into their last few games of the year and ended up losing their last few regular season games. But that, mir- the, you know, that stretch, that Cowboy game, the way they won that on the road, 30-27, to and then to beat the Giants 38-31 in the dramatic fashion that they did, uh, was an unbelievable thing to watch. And ultimately, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers were on some shit that year, dude. They were damn good. They got hot at the right time, and there was really no stopping them. Tremont Williams picked off Vic in the end zone, targeting for Riley Cooper. Oh, I still cry about it all the time. However, you got to move on at some point, right? So that would probably be my my third favorite out of this group. Uh, but it was also a really cool year because... It was Shady McCoy's second year, and he was in a 1,000-yard rusher that year, so you saw the type of player he was starting to become. Macklin came up with a lot of big plays. Deshaun had over 1,000 yards receiving. Like They had a lot of firepower on that offense. Brent Selleck was a really solid player at that time, was more of a receiving tight end, whereas towards the latter half of his career, he was more a, a blocking guy. Um, 
they were just fun to watch that year, man. They were just fun to watch. And, you know, it's a shame, you know, that Minnesota Viking game happened that year, and it was supposed to be a Sunday night game, and it got rescheduled for Tuesday night. And Joe fucking Webb, dude. Oh, my God. Joe Webb. I still remember that game. Oh, my God. I remember Joe Webb running for a touchdown and the amount of missed tackles. Oh, my God. Joe fucking Webb, dude. Oh, my God. That was awful. It was on a Tuesday night, too, man. I had school the next day. It was supposed to be a blowout. It wasn't even supposed to be a contest. Joe Webb was like a fucking wide receiver playing quarterback, and he ripped us a new one, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Got to move on at some point, though, right? I mean, I don't cry about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, moving on. Uh, probably my second favorite team of the decade would be the 2013 Eagles, and this is the only time I'll ever say Chip Kelly's name in a positive way in the city of Philadelphia, right? But the hype around that team was unmatched. That was the most hyped-up team this t- because it was so new. Chip Kelly was bringing in this high-powered offense. The Eagles, Andy Reid had been the Eagles coach for years, man, for like it was 12 years up until that point. Like, the Eagles didn't have a lot of head coaches. Like, you go back, Buddy Ryan, Dick Vermeil, whatever. Like, Andy Reid had been the Eagles coach for a long time. So when he got fired, and it was time, everyone knew it was time, but when he got fired, man, you know, the Eagles coaching search was extensive and it lasted a long time because they weren't used to doing it. They weren't used to bringing in new head coaches, right? So when they brought in Chip Kelly, uh, I had basketball practice that day, man. And I remember looking at my phone after basketball practice and freaking out that they got Chip Kelly because I was so excited. Chip was the guy that they wanted all along, right? And he's bringing in this high-powered offense that teams weren't going to be able to prepare for. And we had Michael Vick and we need, you know, Chip Chip's offense was perfect for a mobile quarterback. We had Shady, Deshaun. I believe Macklin actually tore his ACL that year prior to the year starting, but they were still so... Cooper had a really good year that year Uh, until he, you know, made some mistakes. (laughs) But that opening night against the Washington Redskins, man, they won that game 33-27. And RG3 came back because the previous year, the Redskins won the division and went to the playoffs, and Mike Shanahan ruined his career because he left him in the game and his knee fell apart. But that game was so entertaining. I mean, they just marched down the field. Shady McCoy that year was, was I believe he had over 1,300 yards rushing. Deshaun was a, a, a super explosive player. The, no, no one knew what the Eagles offense was. And they were only a 10-6 football team, but that team had no business even being 10-6. Like, defensively, their cornerbacks were Kerry fucking Williams and Bradley Fletcher. Two of the most bummish type of players I've ever seen in my life, dude. I'm serious. I really mean that. And... They fought and clawed their way in. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I got to admire it, right? So, and Chip Kelly's career obviously didn't end up too well in Philadelphia, and I'm not, I'm not questioning that by any stretch. Guy was a weirdo. But that offense was so fun to watch that year, man. They were so fun to watch. And that was a snowball game where McCoy had over 200 yards rushing. You know, Nick Foles came onto the scene that year, really for the first time in his career in that giant game where, where Vic pulled a hamstring rolling out to his left uh, and went out of bounds and kind of tugged up on him, and he knew right away. And Foles had the seven-touchdown game that year. They were just good, man. You know, Foles had I know, 27 touchdowns to two interceptions or something like that. I mean, it was an unbelievable season. He was a Pro Bowl MVP, a Pro Bowl MVP in the city of Philadelphia. We had a quarterback who was a Pro Bowl MVP, dude. It's unbelievable, right? So... They were super fun. Beating the Dallas. Brandon Boykin's interception on Kyle Orton was... Oh, dude, if the Eagles let Kyle Orton 
beat them to go to the playoffs that year. I would have jumped off a bridge. But that didn't happen. Brandon Boykin had other ideas. And when they won that division, man, Shady won the rushing title that night. It was awesome. Uh, ultimately, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints come in. Darren Sproles takes a kickoff back. And Kerry Williams, man. Gotta love that guy, right? Horse collar tackles him. And ultimately, you know, that was that. But uh, that was a super fun team to watch, man. That was a super fun team to watch. And then ultimately, the overwhelming favorite would be the 2017 team. Um, and just, that just year was... So, the Eagles just beat up on so many teams that year, man. That, you know, they had fun doing it. Like, Nelson Aguilar was a changed player that year. I don't know, like... What was in his cereal or something? I'm not even kidding. Like, what the hell made that guy so goddamn good that year? And he literally sucked every other year, man. Every other year, that guy was a liability offensively. But that year, Nelson Aguilar was on some shit. He was a damn good football player. It was Alshon's first year. He came up with big plays. Carson Wentz was the MVP of the, of the league, dude. That guy was so goddamn good in 2017. It's not even funny. He broke the Eagles franchise touchdown record on a torn ACL, bro. Like, that is some fucking whacked out shit. That is some... I mean, this is bold, right? I'm not going out and saying it, but that's some Hall of Fame type shit right there. Obviously not saying Wentz is a Hall of Famer. Don't want people jumping the gun on that, right? He's not there yet. But that year, that game, that whole... The way that season went, the way Wentz played, I mean, from week one in Washington... He dashes right. He dashes left. I mean, you just knew he was a special player. They go to Kansas City in week two. Things don't go as well. Uh, the giant game. The, you know, Elliott wins on a 61. Jake Elliott, man. Like, the, the who, who even is this guy, right? And he just hit a 61-yard field goal to freaking beat the New York Giants. It was awesome, right? The game in Carolina was great, man. Nelson Aguilar caught a slant pass that night and just thunch, snatched it right out of the air. When they beat the Carolina Panthers, I think everyone in the league knew that that team was for real that the Philadelphia Eagles were not messing around that year. And, you know, they go to the Dallas, you know, they go to Dallas, they beat Dallas 37-9. Like, it's not even a contest in their house, too. Dak Prescott, suck it! You know, it was just such a good... God, you know, they beat up on Denver. They beat the shit out of the Denver Broncos, man, at home in the Black Unis. They were just so good, man. They were so good. And then Wentz goes down, and you know what, man? I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change the way it happened. And, you know, however, people love, you know, asking the question, well, you know, do the Eagles win the Super Bowl that year if Wentz doesn't go down? Yes, they do. Wentz stays healthy, they still win it all. You know why? The defense was so good. The defensive line was so deep and so fresh. You had Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. Chris Chris Long was unbelievable that year in the role that he played. Vinnie Curry, you were so fresh up front that you were able to consistently get pressure on the quarterback at all times. But you also lost Jason Peters, Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, Carson Wentz. Alshon Jeffrey played in the Super Bowl with a fucking torn rotator cuff, dude. Like, the Eagles were just destined to win that year. And, and the Falcon game, the divisional round, that was sketchy, man. Oh, hey, hey, got scared. Won't lie to you. Hey, peed my pants. Maybe a little. <laughs> Maybe a little. Torrey Smith has an unbelievable catch. That sets up a field goal, and ultimately, that catch really won on the football game. Um, I believe that set up a field goal before halftime. You went then to the NFC title game, and Case Keenan marched right down the field and threw a touchdown pass to Travis Rudolph, and I thought, what? We're fucked. However, Nick Foles had other ideas, and, and they just really beat up on the Minnesota Vikings that night, too. 
Uh, you know, and then you go to the Super Bowl, man, and Nick Foles outduels Tom Brady to take home the Lombardi. Never cried so hard in my life. That, dude, that was unbelievable, man. Just everything that had happened. You know, when Wentz went down, I thought for sure the season was over, as I think a lot of people did too. I've never cried harder in my life, man. Never. Like, that was... That was unbelievable, dude. Those were legit tears coming. Tears of joy, man, coming out of my eyes. You know, proud of it, too. I'm going to say it right here. Oh, did I cry when the Eagles won the Super Oh, yes, I did. Cried a lot. Thanks. Awesome. Years of hatred. The years of sucking donkey dick, dude, was over. Like, the Eagles finally got over the hump, man. And it, it, this is going back to 2014. I don't even know if many people remember this year, but Chip Kelly's year two. The Eagles were 9-3. and three. They were nine and three, man. And they lost three out of four and didn't make the playoffs. And I almost shot myself. No, that's really not that funny to joke about. But honest to God, man, like they had just been close so many times. And then 2015 with Sam Bradford and DeMarco Murray and all the hype with Byron Maxwell, who ended up being the worst cornerback ever. That made the Super Bowl that much better because you had just seen the hype that had been around teams, the dream team back in 2012, like the hype that had been around all these teams, man. You know, Wentz's rookie year in 2016, you saw the promise. They put it together in 17. You know, 18 was a cool season to watch, too, because they had to defend their title, but their offense wasn't as good. I think that had to do with Frank Reich leaving to go to, to coach Indianapolis, and Mike Rowe was just really never the right guy for the job. But beating Chicago in that playoff game was cool, and last year was cool, man, seeing Wentz put a team behind his back. But, again, still, offense lacked firepower in a way. That 2017 year is, is uncomparable and will go down in history. Um... Those are my those are my top three. Okay, those are my top three. Uh, last thing I'll touch on, man, is Patrick Mahomes got about the biggest contract extension I've well ever seen. I mean that that is, but you know what, man, the guy's totally worth it. The guy's totally worth it. Um, he's a he's a generational talent. I mean the guy didn't even know how to read defenses, dude. He was just going out there and slinging it. And the guy's got such a talent. I mean, the jump passes, the no-look passes. He throws with his off arm sometimes. He can throw sidearm so well that, like, he's just such a talented player, man. He's a blueprint for how quarterbacks should try to play in this day. Obviously, you don't want to try to be someone you're not, but Patrick Mahomes is just an unbelievably talented player. Ten years, 503 million. The guy's worth half a billion. Dude, like, okay, dude, like, honestly... That you can buy so much fucking McDonald's with that. Like McChickens, what are a buck, okay? They're one dollar. Uh, put in some tax, like Whatever. Dude, Patrick Mahomes can buy a lot of McChickens. Like, dude, he can buy he can buy all the fish fillets he wants, dude. Like, whatever, man. The guy is worth the money he got. I think he is a transcendent player. Ten years is hefty, don't get me wrong, and pray to God he stays healthy, I'll knock on wood, because I want to see the guy be successful, man. I want to see Big Red continue to, to bring in some more. If it can't be the Eagles, man, let it be Big Red. Let that guy go be happy. He's got a gunslinger quarterback, and they should be good for years to come. Oh, I've rambled on for 39 minutes and 25 seconds now. I need some water. Pretty badly, you know? Like, I'm parched, Okay. I'm absolutely parched. But thanks for tuning in, guys. Episode two, coming to an end. Episode three, you know, we'll have that out in a little bit. 
just having fun with it, man. Just having fun with it. Being my own goofy self. Hopefully I get some laughs. Hopefully people tune in. And if they don't, fuck them. Who cares? See you next time.